This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of hey doc welcome back uh that sort of hippie look is working well for you that long haired stuff yeah, Gordon, I do need to go have a haircut. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm debating whether to do the old number two and shave the whole lot off, uh, which uh, gives me the convict look. But then again, the convicts are free as well. So maybe, uh, maybe I can just walk around and say I'm an ex-convict. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm also getting to that point where you get to the point of just, uh, you know, you just want to get rid of it and, and move on. And I suppose, you know, that's just one aspect of the hair. And I guess people are, are, are handling it in their own way in, in different ways and, and so on. So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we can all of us handle pretty much anything as long as there's a fixed, you know, time point. Sure. So it's yeah. the time point for me that's missing rather yeah. than the principle. But uh, yeah. anyway, enough of that. Everyone's heard and been through that themselves. Yeah. Today we've got uh, with us Charles Foster, who's the CEO of Kantar Insights, Africa and Middle East. Uh, most of us know Charles as Charles. There's a word that goes in there faster. Um, we'll see whether he manages to live up to his moniker in that regard. Charles, great to have you here this morning. How are you doing? Thank you very much indeed. Extremely well, Doug Gordon. appreciate you having me on your, um, on your show. This is one of those rare moments when you're actually at home. For the last year or two, you have literally been flying around your your realm, uh, spending a lot of time in the Middle East. So uh, tell us a bit about those adventures first when we get into the rough stuff. Yeah, Gordon, it's, uh, my, my life is undoubtedly going to change like everybody else's. But um, um, you're right. Um, I, I look after 12 odd different countries across Africa and the Middle East. And um, um, that's been my life for the last 10, 15 years, actually, um, expanding into markets across Africa and then the Middle East. And um, and um, that inevitably required me to spend an awful lot of time on aeroplanes. And therefore, I was somewhat distressed recently to see SAA turn around and tell me that my um, my frequent flyer points were voided and some significant number of millions of miles have disappeared down the Sony, <laughs> which is a little unfortunate. Are you serious? Really? <laughs> yep. Yep. 
anyway, um, 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 don't worry, I do use a variety of different airlines, all of which regard me with my first name, <laughs> which is always very nice. Um, but I'm afraid that world is changing. And I've spent the last month, six weeks or so, along with everyone else, talking to my extended staff across the region um, via um, 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 Teams and Zoom and, and all sorts of other forms of new communication, which I have to say has proved remarkably effective, um, albeit not quite the same, um, Gordon. But yes, it's, um, it's amazing. And I do have a lovely feel, therefore, of how, it's, um, how, how coronavirus has affected us across the entire continent. I, I always claim with considerable joy that actually I look after the biggest region in the world, which isn't quite true because Russia is actually bigger. Um, but nevertheless, um, um, I, I um, um, have um, an enormous territory to look after. It goes from Senegal all the way across sort of Morocco, North Africa, Saudi, Lebanon, Pakistan, um, and all the way down via various countries across Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa down to South Africa itself, which of course is where I live and continue to love doing so. So um, um, yes, it's, it's fascinating. And indeed, the variety of things and the degree to which it's affected different markets has varied enormously. I mean, uh, this is an aside, I was talking to my Egyptian chap the other day and he was saying, ah, oh, yes, well, um, we in Egypt have lived through an awful lot. We've had revolutions, we've had wars, and frankly, coronavirus is just another one. We're carrying on as per normal. This is nothing. Um, well, yeah, it's a historical perspective for you. I mean, look, on, on the upside, no. maybe you will get you know, new improved SAA AMRs with added you know, kind of legroom. Uh, so, you know, keep, keep a <laughs> cheerful, stiff upper lip there. Or you're a good British stock. You, uh, you know how to cope with this kind of thing. But it, let, let's bring it back into, uh, you know, those learning experiences. First of all, I, Doc, I mean, you've used to big marketing uh, kind of parameters. I'm always intrigued that people have decided to group EMEA together, Europe, Middle East, Asia, and Africa in, in one group. And I'm still trying to find out what the common thread is, but be that as may. The real issue, you know, I think which we wanted to discuss with you or begin the discussion with is how do you stay in business if you're a research company and you're not allowed to speak to people um, or <laughs> you have to speak to them, you know, at the distance of a pointed stick? Uh, it's not exactly friendly. How, how, how are you going to cope with this going forward? Quo Vardis, and not just you guys at Cantor, but I mean, globally, this has got to be a major problem for research groups. Yes, although, Gordon, that, of course, goes with a mindset that says that um, um, large proportions of our work are done on a face-to-face -face basis. And, of course, that varies enormously by, um, by country. Um, I mean, just to give you, without giving too much confidential information away, actually our, um, our American and UK markets have actually borne up remarkably well. I mean, actually, in the States is actually significantly ahead um, of, of um, expectations because... The vast majority of work in many of the developed markets is done online anyway. Um, so um, there has been essentially an acceleration of that across almost all those markets which are well connected around the world. And that has meant that to an extent there's a bit of a, um, um, a degree of separation from those markets which still have a preponderance of face-to-face um, -face work as opposed to um, um, anything online and online obviously spans a myriad from phones, smartphones, tablets, all the way through to um, even catty centers. And indeed, um, we as a market, along with India and Brazil and some of the Asian markets, are those markets with 
the greatest preponderance and reliance on good old face-to-face -face interviewing, albeit that's transformed them. It's no longer a clipboard. It's always a, a laptop or a mobile or a tablet or whatever that may be. But um, it nevertheless does require and has historically required and will probably continue, at least in some shape or form, to continue to contain face-to-face -face contact. Interestingly enough, there's a whole field of research that you haven't referred to, which is what we call our quality arm, our qualitative arm, where we you know, had focus groups traditionally. And amazingly enough, that has almost entirely migrated online and, and, and very successfully. So um, that work is done via Teams, WhatsApp, Zooms. It, it's incredible how innovative people have been in, in um, using many of the new social networks slash connected networks to get hold of people. And, and, and that said, Gordon, you know, I'm putting a, a brave face on what undoubtedly is for us a, um, a major disruption because, frankly, um, um, there is a higher proportion of our work done face-to-face -face than via online methodologies, and it has significantly disrupted how we've done work. That said, um, without question, over the past years, we have been attempting to follow the global models and move more and more work onto um, online in whatever shape or form that may def um, be defined as. And this crisis has without question provoked an enormous number of clients who are somewhat reluctant to do so, to move into the online forums. And increasingly that doesn't mean just purely going um, onto digital, it means in some cases a sort of hybrid methodology, you might do some sectors of population um, in um, much shortened versions via mobile, other versions we may do um, via qualitative groups online or via their phone, etc, etc. So it's, it's, it's made us a lot more innovative. We've had to progress an awful lot quicker than perhaps we would have done in the past, but this has proved a catalyst for us, which has enabled us to persuade an awful lot of our clients to move very much more rapidly into a, into a, into a new world, essentially, something we've been trying to push for an awful long time. So there are pros and cons around this, Gordon, and it's by no means all cons, I have to say. Well, that's reassuring. Uh, Doc, yeah. I mean, you, you've, you've sort of commissioned a number of studies over your years. I, I'm just the data user. I almost don't really care where it comes from as long as sure. it's robust and yeah. I can use it. Sure. Yeah. Well, firstly, Charles, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we always appreciate it. Um, yeah, you're right. And I think, Gordon, we've been hearing that now, you know, in chatting with people um, over the last few weeks, a lot of people are saying that it's now the catalyst, you know. Um, and the real issue is, is the stickiness thereafter of, of digital in whichever shape. Yeah. And what you're saying is, you know, even from a, I want to say a simple mobile phone, they're not that simple, but I mean, from a mobile phone all the way up. So hopefully, and can you see across your territory, and I know it's quite a wide one, can you see some of those markets that perhaps were lagging, the more developed markets, the technology now sticking and clients, uh, and, and, and clients buying into that? Yes, I mean, it, it was, it's funny, there's been an evolution, Doug, over the period of the, um, of, the, of the virus. Certainly the initial reaction from clients was, no, 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 it's only going to be a few weeks, we'll be back soon, don't worry. Um, that over the course of the past um, weeks has increasingly transpired to, oh my God, we actually do have to do something. Um, you've been advising and pushing in this direction for a long time. Um, okay, let's um, start, to, start to migrate at least parts of what we're doing with you into into online or, or, or mobile or whatever data formats you're, you're, you're promoting or, or pushing. And indeed, it's, um, it's, it has indeed um, um, dramatically shifted. I, I, I remain concerned that when, it's, um, when things start relaxing, some may want to go back to the traditional methodology, but I'm pretty much 100% confident that those who have migrated will find themselves um, very rapidly happy with where they have got to in terms of the 
um, ongoing trackability. And we have tons of work which demonstrates that, albeit that the measures may come back with slightly different measures, typically you'll see the ranking order of the types of responses you're getting very similar. So it may be that um, everything's up by 10% or everything's down by 10%, but the, the, the order of these things tend to be very directional and, and similar to that that you would derive from a different methodology. So, I mean, you know, in years gone by, we used to move from good old clipboard to, um, to computer-based interviewing or indeed to CATI centers. And indeed, there were migrations and differences that happened then too, and, and they are explainable. And generally speaking, um, as long as the um, predictions you would have made before are similar to the ones that you are now making, it actually doesn't really matter an awful lot because ultimately we're trying to guide people on how to drive their brand or communication or um, customer experience in the right direction. So it's directionally um, very similar, whatever methodology you may choose to use. Is there, Charles, I mean, traditionally in South Africa, we've relied on large scale face-to-face -face interviews. Yes, they've been cappy, you know, so, uh, We've embraced some of the, the innovation, but we're still kind of face-to-face, large-scale. And one of the criticisms or concerns I've had is that we have typically, you know, the way I phrase it is you've researched what I did yesterday to explain what I'm doing today. What you need to yeah. be doing is measuring what I'm doing today in order to predict what I do tomorrow. Do, do you see yeah. a shift in, uh, in scale and, and continuity? So smaller numbers, but, but continuous flow information. Can we continue to spend six months capturing data and another six months preparing it in a, in, a, in a world where everything is shifting at the speed of, well, at the speed of a virus rather than the speed of light. Yes, indeed. And, 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 and the points you touch on are incredibly valid and indeed clearly as a, as a, as a, as a business that um, attempts to deliver insights to um, guide our clients in terms of how, what they should be doing specifically and typically around brands and communication. But um, we, we increasingly have um, built in areas of expertise which go very much to speed. Um, you, you probably haven't come across, but we have something called Marketplace, which enables you to buy um, um, pretty much um, one two-day turnaround work. You'd be amazed at some of our creative testing in our sort of... Um, um, our, our strongest advanced markets will actually give you a creative test within two hours. <laughs> and it's all done self-serve by a client online. And you can literally access samples of panelists, which are millions deep. Um, and indeed, even now across Africa, Middle East, as a matter of interest, our panels extend into the millions across the entire region. Um, so, we can and do provide very much quicker service than we ever have before. And more to the point, um, in terms of the ability to source different sources of information, we found our clients are significantly more willing than they ever were in the past to acknowledge that we have a role which, given our expertise in, in teasing out insights, when exposed to clients' internal data in combination with other data sources, so may be um, data that we can't access necessarily in every case ourselves, but once we're in a position to actually pull that together, we can use our analytics team, which indeed we have hubs both in the UAE and in South Africa, of, um, and I take care because some of them may listen to this, but extremely intelligent, um, pointy-headed statisticians <laughs> who can get very much more into the predictive mode. And we found ourselves um, um, with bespoke, much more automated, 
faster turnaround options, which enable us to pull in different data sources to inform our primary data to get to far more um, predictive outcomes than we ever have in the past. And clients have proved to be far more willing now than they ever were in the past to allow some of their internal data to be aggregated and pulled in to combine in essentially, you know, I know it's a, it's a hackneyed phrase, but into those sort of big databases which enable us to actually tease out those insights of what really is delivering growth for a client or a brand. So we have transformed incredibly internally and indeed um, to an extent the process has been um, trying to get clients on board with being a little bit more open about some of their internal data um, or other data sources they utilize so that we can actually tease out um, the full range of insights that can come from that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when I think back about uh, um, the, the um, simplicity of some of the, the data that we used to talk to, it's very rarely like that anymore, Gordon. It's very much more a combination of all the data sources out there allowing us to be very much more proactive and insightful and predictive than we ever were in the past, which is, frankly, an incredibly exciting world yeah. to live in. I mean, not giving away too many secrets, our biggest growth area is indeed in media, evaluation of effectiveness of different channels, in analytics specifically is, is one of our by far fastest growing area, and surprisingly still insights into brands and how they should um, 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 activate themselves to really um, grow in these difficult times. So um, it's, it's um, a very fast-changing world, and you said yourself, I mean, I... I you and I have been in this game for an awful long time in, in, in both either producer or, or user mode. And um, the last few years, and particularly over the last few months, have um, seen decisions made and transformations made that would have taken years before. Just let me love this one at you, Doc. I mean, so somewhere in there you're talking about aggregating uh, external data with, with, with you know, your own internal mm. data. I mean, is, is there a crossover point from a poppy perspective? Um, you know, where, where, how much data can you share? Uh, mm. Is this not one of the, and this is not one of the pushback points with consumers generally that mm. they are afraid of having data shared? Yeah, I, I think it could be, uh, Gordon, but because uh, I, I think, Charles, from our point of view, it's encouraging to hear that because through my years, we did very little of that. You know, Gordon, we'd often have people before they were even called business scientists, they were analysts and people who would, who would look through internal data and the external data from a research house of, and Cantor being one of them, uh, was, was very much separate. So yeah, I think one's got to be cognizant of that. It also depends on what type of data, you know, in other words, is it, um, sales data without personal information. In other words, you know, by product type, by, by movement, oh, no, by yeah, product okay. shift line. The, shift the lens. Okay. Yeah. So, so in other words, you can then overlay, um, a consumer insight with what is actually happening in terms of, of your moving the needle, whatever that industry may be, without necessarily having customer data with it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Um, yeah, Gordon, I mean, we're, we're obviously not allowed to look at anybody's yeah. personal data or share any of that. And we, we don't. We, these these um, pointy heads have very clever ways of, of pulling in um, um, and, and hooking on different data sources together, um, which look at similar sorts of people um, um, without ever getting the ability to get down to the individual. Um, so, yeah. So just, just two points and, uh, on personal data. The first, an observation. I'm, I'm a bit alarmed that yourself as a, as a good, solid, Brit and proud of your heritage have got your clock and your image not centered as it should be in the middle of Greenwich, 
uh, which is alarming for me, and uh, Her Majesty would not be amused with with that. But um, the second point is, I know that you at, at Cantor have, have uh, put together a whole bunch of global insights, and you've been very active over this lockdown period. Uh, your COVID barometer, I think it's called. Can you share some of the, the sort of drone perspective learnings from uh, the, the COVID barometer? I mean, you know, where are we? Are, are people changing? Is there a, what's the prognosis? Are we going to be different? Is there a new normal or is this the new abnormal? Yeah. Gordon, um, yes, thank you. Um, first observation, that's a barometer, not a clock. Oh, not a barometer, okay. <laughs> What's even worse? <laughs> <laughs> Scratch of the naval <laughs> empire, for goodness sakes. Um, secondly, yes, indeed. We have, um, we like to think, been on the forefront of, of um, evaluating people's attitudes and, and behaviours around COVID. And it's been actually remarkably exciting um, to, to, to have a consistent look. We've done and um, evaluated over three waves so far and intend to continue um, um, across 50 plus countries um, in my territory we've looked at egypt nigeria kenya reunion south africa uae um, saudi arabia pakistan um, and um, a fairly consistent look at, at what is people's attitudes towards life and I, I did actually and have called out some of the key concerns just as a matter of interest we are one of the highest concerned markets so if you look at um, corny Ignore, a few, ignore the, uh, the, the analogy on top boxing on, um, on hugely concerned. South Africa are actually across um, a sample of markets here. 81% of us are concerned about um, the situation in South Africa. 80 in Kenya, down to 74 in the UK, 74 in the US, 76 in Italy. Um, so, you know, we're right up there in terms of levels of concern. And strangely, um, albeit that we clearly are concerned about health um, and all the implications of potentially catching um, um, coronavirus. Actually, in South Africa, um, not uniquely, but certainly very high is, and indeed higher than health, are the financial concerns. Um, people are seriously worried um, and indeed are, are actively increasing over the waves the degree to which they're looking at financial planning and how they can actually continue to survive in this situation. And they're very much more concerned than they were initially that these things are going to carry on a lot longer than they were before. Um, so, you know, there was, there are clients that I referred to earlier, a sort of attitude, oh, it'll all be over in a month and that's it, we'll just go back to normal. Is now very much, well, this is here for a lot longer than we had ever thought. And that is going to have serious financial implications and I think the concern is a little bit less, strangely enough, around I'm actually personally going to get ill. <laughs> it's, it's now, really, what am I going to do about, um, about the finances and how am I going to manage to keep myself up um, in, in the world of, of schemes? And, and there's a recognition that um, people's purchases are going to change dramatically. I mean, top of that list, and thank God, um, um, Gordon Doug, I'm not in the travel or hospitality industry because, boy, that's, that's top of the people's list of things that they're not going to be doing. And um, frankly, if you're in the, in the airline or, or hotel trade, you just literally are doing nothing. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Um, so people are going to, uh, clearly they're stopping doing things like car maintenance and buying home appliances or furnishing or considering anything in the property space or um, any new big investments. But... 
as a matter of passing interest, they're still very keen on using electricity and, um, and um, 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 consuming more um, TV than they ever had before and looking for actually self-improvement in many cases. They're, they're saying, what can I do for um, self-improvement? What can I do to build bridges across family and friends that I haven't been able to in the past, using all sorts of different ways to get it? People are saying as a matter of interest, they're really missing leaving the home, the freedom, social interaction, children at school, the normal routines. Um, but generally speaking, and, and you may choose to disagree, and I notice that around the world there is a decline in the degree of trust around government's handling of this. I think the going in built a lot of trust. The coming out is causing a lot of, mm, that doesn't sound right, doesn't apply to me, doesn't work as well as it should do, doesn't take account of these personal circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, general approval levels have been remarkably high. I mean, 85% of people in South Africa are approving of, of the government's response to the pandemic, as a matter of interest. Same in Nigeria, a little lower in Kenya, very much lower in Cote d'Ivoire, as a matter of interest, just to give you a francophone perspective. <laughs> um, um, so these things vary. Um, um, and indeed, people generally are still trusting government um, um, communication. So, look, I could talk about some of this stuff for a long time, but it is interesting to me that in South Africa, actually, it's more money than health. It'll be interesting then, Gordon and, and Charles, to see that confidence barometer or confidence index later on, if you fast forward this movie six months, um, and let's look at the lag effect of the economy. It'll be interesting to see if you do a you know, study later on and, and see if that, that high score of 80-odd percent in confidence in government is still there uh, from an economic perspective. And Doug, I'm sure um, that seem to be some signs and this actually is a so far it's three waves and there is a um a proposal that we will carry on for possibly even eight so as a matter of interest this stuff um you might want me to get come back sometime to tell you how it's going because yeah. Yeah, <laughs> clearly these trends will change and um um, I do suspect that I'm not being particularly um, crystal ball gazing by suggesting that some of those confidence index will undoubtedly start falling. Mm. Just, I mean, uh, in one of, the, I think the earlier waves, uh, you identified a number of trends. One of them was an, was an era of shared humanity. And then another, uh, a fourth one was, you know, the brand should have a societal impact. In other words, my expectation of a brand is that it should contribute more uh, to to the big picture than just you know deliver the goods to me that yeah. issue of trust i mean are you, are you discerning a shift in the importance of trust as as a, as a brand in or a brand health indicator um well without question and and, and brands of course have to tread a very careful line here because um if they are start seen if they seem to be exploiting the uh, the pandemic to their own ends, that without question can have some very significant long term um, equity effects. But equally, um, brands have to be um, um, accelerating stroke, emphasising the aspects of their positioning in in um, in the marketplace to uh, be sympathetic, but also um, this is how we can help and what we're doing in a purposeful manner to actually. Um, and contribute to the community. And, and in that study, you'll see lots of examples of companies that we feel have done it reasonably well. And, and I, I, I don't know to what extent you um, picked up some of those things. But I mean, there's been some lovely um, campaigns, but you have to be very careful on the flip side without question not to be seen to be exploitative. Um, yeah, you know, um, I suppose um, inform 
um, whilst fixing to your, your brand values as opposed to um, um, attempting to exploit in any shape or form. And, and yeah, I mean, um, brands which have converted their, their factories to producing sanitizer are the, are the first case. But in, let's face it, you know, there, there's even cases, Lifeboy had that lovely example where they were promoting soap, not really themselves, the benefits of actually using um, um, cleanliness as opposed to trying to push themselves too much was a sort of classic case of um, beautifully communicating a, a common need for everybody whilst not necessarily trying to be seen to be exploited in their own right. Um, so, you know, shopping is obviously one of the areas which can massively be affected. And, and we've seen that um, um, there has been a, a, a dramatic shift around the world to online. I mean, Amazon, <laughs> what is it? Their share prices up by 26% or something. Quite extraordinary. Um, putting about the same amount of money in um, Mr. Mr. Bezos's pocket for withdrawal credit to the man. Talk about a favorable um, response in his case. But indeed, in, in, across our markets, we're seeing that you know, clothing, services, cosmetics, food, beverages, these are all areas which across the world have actually started to see um, a huge migration to online. Um, I seem to have lost pictures of you, Gordon. Does that, is that, are you still uh, listening? That's, that's all right. Uh, we can see you, and, and, and I think our, our listeners will welcome the prospect of not seeing me and Doc. Um, <laughs> but you're, you're visible and, and importantly audible. And uh, yeah, that accelerated omnichannel again was one of the global trends which, which you're picking up is that, you know, there are more people trying out, even, even those who had previously shopped on, online or, or uh, shopping a little more trying out new innovations. And in South Africa, I found interesting that uh, 73% of, of South Africans are claiming to shop closer to home, which I th think was interesting. And that implies yeah, to me yes. a big shift into community-based media, which is yeah. something mm -hmm. which uh, I've been yeah, very concerned about. We don't support community-based media nearly enough. Yeah, no, no, and, and I, I must say I was quite taken aback, and it's a global trend, by the way, um, that people are shopping um, much more in the corner shop slash the shop around the corner than going to the, the, the mega shops that they used to in the past um, because they just don't want to do that sort of long travel or indeed don't want to be potentially exposed more by doing so or pulled over by the police or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I think you may have also seen the dramatic increase over the wave by wave, actually, in... in um, media usage. So, you know, social media, um, um, 60, 15% growth in Facebook, 15% growth in, in WhatsApp, YouTube, 69%. I'm amazing growth in some of these online media channels, which um, were, were um, clearly there, but significantly shifting in terms of the um, 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 people's consumption of these media channels, which of course, again, Gordon, one can't help but revert back to the um, the social impact in a country like South Africa and indeed my um, sub-Saharan African markets where whilst we are connected, it is expensive to connect. And I say connected, you know, mobile is, is becoming more and more pervasive. Smartphones are becoming more and more pervasive, but it's much more expensive than many other countries around the world to do so. And um, there is a danger, again, of, of accelerating the separation between those who can afford fast broadband in whatever shape or form and those who frankly are sitting with um, feature or even dumb phones in some cases. Um, um, so it's brought into focus the degree to which the, this coronavirus has also uh, um, separated 
the social classes that much quicker than, than um, it might have done. I mean, you know, here we are talking across Zoom, something we'd heard of but never used a while ago. I now find myself using Teams. I mean, it's just extraordinary. I mean, almost every meeting, every call is on Teams. It's, it's, um, it's a huge migration. But, you know, this, this, we have to consider ourselves to be highly privileged in, in, in that ability to get into that. So in particular, when you look at, at um, many of our average consumers in South Africa who just don't have the ability to do that and, and, um, and, and therefore enforcing some of the separation. Some closing comments because I mean, I know you've, yeah. you've been using, you've been very active on, on, on zoom communicating across the world uh, with clients and, mm. and, and, uh, and contacts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely Gordon. And I think, you know, as, as you and I mentioned on a previous show, you know, it's something that we've, perhaps known about and, 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 you know, video conferencing is not new. I mean, today people are using Teams and Zoom as, as an example, but certainly, um, you know, Skype for business and, and so on. So I have been using it, um, but still, you know, I still do miss the face-to-face, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, you want to get to that hybrid position where, you, you know, you can go out, you can have your freedoms, you can do stuff. But I think certainly from a business point of view, and, you know, last week when speaking with Arthur Goldstock, he was talking about the cost saving. And, and one of the things we and I like to look at is the top line as well, not just the saving, but the actual revenue that you can generate. In other words, what more can you do? How can you shrink time and costs uh, and get more out of it? So I think, you know, from our point, as a closing point, um, I'm encouraged by the, the rise in e-commerce. We spoke to Arvin Morocco a while ago, remember, um, last year, and we were talking about Take A Lot, uh, Charles, from the, the top brands survey, how well they did as a brand. Yep. And it was still a small percentage of South Africans. And I understand there's very different strata of South Africans, and not everyone is an online buyer, but certainly those who are buying I'm glad and encouraged to see that that's growing. And it's not just the take a lot. It's that whole sort of value chain. You know, it's the careers and the packers and yeah. the pickers. And, and so it's quite, it's quite encouraging in, in a sort of a mini Amazon type model. So I think in closing, you know, I'd just like to say thanks for your time and, and really, really great insights into that. And uh, Gordon, we'd be, I mean, I'd be curious to find the follow-up wave, you know, take it a few months down the road to see how sentiment and confidence has changed. Um, across certain key indicators. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were chatting about that earlier. Just just a quick comment. I mean, one of your trends globally was what uh, is referred to as anticipative organizations, that organizations that are reactive are going to fall by the wayside. So the general expectation of consumers is that the organizations for which they work and or interface with uh, mm. are going to have to be a lot more agile. So that, yeah. that's really, really intriguing. Mm. Um, the second point, because of my advanced age, which is why I have to be locked away in, in, in my home, has now completely slipped my mind. So I'm going to leave it at that. Charles, I mean, how, what's the best way to get hold of you uh, in terms of those uh, listeners out there who would like to, to chat to you about buying into the, uh, the COVID uh, reports, the barometers? Well, or indeed any other um, um, insights may feel we need. I'd, I'd be very happy. Um, 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 myself, uh, charles.foster at cantar.com, um, absolutely. And um, Ivan Morocchi, you referred to earlier, he's the CEO in South Africa. Um, brilliant man who will equally be able to help you on any aspects around specific South Africa issues. So if you're talking across the region, I'm your man, and uh, specifically South Africa, Ivan is probably your best um, um, touching point, and he's Ivan uh, Morocchi at cantar.com. So um, both very easy and thank you very much and I, I would just finish with the observation that yes indeed um, 
for us, it has proved to be a huge catalyst of, of our transformation, not least internally, but also, I think, in our clients' mindset around how we can really start to um, transform how we gather data and indeed um, pull together different trains of thought and different sources of data to really add um, predictive insights into our world at a faster pace than we ever were before. And it, it's actually really exciting times. It feels like we've condensed a couple of years worth of transformation into, into two months. It's yeah. quite extraordinary. And so um, positives and negatives, not to say that there aren't plenty of, um, of horror stories as well. Um, on well, that note, uh, thank you thanks. very much for your time. I really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic. Hi, uh, and to our listeners and subscribers out there, uh, won't you please engage in the conversation? If you have questions or any points you want to raise, please, please do do so. We would, uh, or indeed any other topics around this that uh, for future shows that you'd like uh, us to engage with, please let us know. And at the the point has come to mind now. Uh, one of your trends was. Uh, uh, a renewed regard for essentials, you know, the sort of the bottom end of the Maslowian triangle. And I think in terms of the unique South African experience, we've now discovered that wine is an essential. So uh, <laughs> those of you, if you don't have any questions, then just send wine. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Or in my case, in my case, oh, okay, um, please, yes. Gordon, can I put a request for vape liquid? Um, <laughs> I'm Take care, everybody. Great. We will. We will see you. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless. Thanks. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Thank now. you, Doug. Bye bye. And so that was another episode of the Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us. Follow us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views, uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully, we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.